Welcome everybody to Zelda Working Title Podcast episode 85. I am your host Adam and here with me today are Alex and Angel. What's up guys? Hello. Hi. Hi guys. Hello. So we think this may be a pretty quick uh, quick episode. That's uh, what she said. Oh. So let's just quickly do what we've been playing, Angel. Um, I just finished Kid Icarus and Bastion. And what did you think of them? Um, Kid Icarus is all right. I mean, I really suffered from the control style. It's really annoying. Yeah. And do you, but, do you, but you have the Circle Pad Pro, don't you? No, I do not. Oh, I thought you did. No, I did not. Uh, okay. Never mind. But um, Bastion is amazing. Everyone should definitely go get it. It's, <laughs> it's really good. It's a lot of fun to play. Why so Alex so wasn't lying this whole time. No, he was not. I think ah. I... You know, Adam, you waste your fucking time on Mass Effect 3 trying to get every fucking ending. There's only four. It took me like 20 minutes. Chill Spend out. that 20 minutes on Bastion, okay? I will. Because it's been out for like... It's been out a for year. A year now, yeah. It's been yeah. a year, yeah. It's and I yeah. did get it for free for my friend, yeah. so I will if you play can't, it. If you, if you're skeptical about it, there's a demo on Xbox Live. I think still up. So, and it gives you like I guess the entire f- first level. So yeah, I, I, if you don't love it. Steam has like the first then, demo too. So yeah, so if you don't love it by then, then you have no soul, and nothing will please you. Ever. Ever. It is my there dream that we all play this game, and then we can have an entire episode dedicated to it. <laughs> yes, write in, write in, let us know what you think of my idea to populate your minds with Bastion. There you go. What did you think of Kid Icarus? Uh, Aside from the controls. I mean, uh, the story was uh, alright. I mean, it had its like cheesy, funny, corny moments. So, mm-hmm. Did the uh, voice acting bother you at all? No, actually it was really good. It was good. pretty spot on. I like all, right. all the voice acting. Cool. And I like uh, uh, it was really cool how they they, they integrated some of, like the older stuff from the games and like, yeah, I really kept like it like that. really retro and all that stuff. But like uh, the control styles really takes away from the game. Yeah, but it's not the fault of the game, which is no, no, the worst it's part. The, the fault of the developer for making it that shitty. Well, it's the system that it's on. I mean, they did everything they could with what they had. They, I mean, you could have. I mean, there's plenty of DS games that don't. Use the touchpad that that nece- you know, like not that like that that cr- like it doesn't use it that much that often. Well, because they're not designed like a dual analog game. But but still, I'm just saying. You know, you didn't you didn't have to go that route. All right, Alex. I've been playing the Binding of Isaac. <laughs> still. Um, Angel understands, right? Angel. Yes, it's uh, it's a ve- it's not like your typical. <laughs> it's not your typical game where like it's, 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 it's it changes. It first off, it changes every time you you start it. So you get every like time you play, you get different uh, a different set of large catalog of items. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you never and you can't save. <laughs> so there's no saving basically. Yeah, it, that's interesting. It's and. The um the level design changes each time too. So each time you play it, it's mapped. The levels are mapped differently. Hmm. So each time you play, you get you sort of get a really different experience. It gets extremely addicting. Um, it's also well, Angel, you've seen the game. <laughs> it's completely fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> 
It is so over the top messed up. I, and did you it, like, pick it, it up? Because it's like five bucks. I'll even, no, I haven't picked it up. No, I'm no, going to pay you five yet. bucks. I'll give you five dollars. <laughs> just buy no, it. I'll pick it up. I'll definitely pick it up eventually. As, but don't pick up. It is. You know what? Don't pick up the. So, for any listeners that are thinking about picking it up, do not pick up the expansion. Pick up the original. Play through the original first, and when you get pretty much all the all the achievements and all the items you can get. Um, then pick up. Then consider picking up the um, the uh, the expansion because you cannot go back to the original. And the, I you know, Angel, when I was watching you play, it was like the game is so fucking hard with the expansion. It's t- like ten times harder than. It's significantly harder than the, than original? the original. That's great. So if you just get it's the original, giving as it is. <laughs> Yeah, if you just get the original, it's because you were playing the expansion, so it's like it was really hard. I was like, like it's <laughs> it's ridiculous. I'm glad you got to see like all the horrible shit though in the game. <laughs> oh man, you get so so ridiculous. Like in the the animation is like uh, like kind of like a Newgrounds Flash game. <laughs> so then, but it's like so messed up. <laughs> you have um, like incarnations of like his mother basically beating him or trying to kill him like there's like dead fetuses that were his brother that that shoot out bloody tears as your weapon you use web uh, your main weapon is a blood is a tear and then it just goes it just gets worse from that like and uh some some of the power-ups you get basically change what you look like but they like morph you to like some mutant looking thing <laughs> you get what was it the Cyclops is good. Yeah, you, um, like, you, you get, get what's one called eye. Polyphemus, so you have one giant eye. And they have items like, um, what was it, Max's head? Or it's basically a stuck... One of the items, like, to give you an idea, like, how fucked up the items are, it's a dead cat. And if you pick up the dead cat, you have nine lives. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, if you pick up... So if you pick up... It's, it's Guppy. So if you pick up Guppy, Guppy's tail... Which like increases your luck. Guppy's head, which is which like spawns random. I think it spawns flies. And Guppy's paw, which replaces your heart with soul hearts. It gives you. Okay. It, um, you turn into a cat, and and it unlocks. It unlocks a, a final item called Guppy's hairball. <laughs> um, so like, a, like an ultimate attack. Yeah, it's like it's it's the thing that follows you around and attacks other enemies. Um, nice. You can so there's all these biblical references in the game too, right? The Binding of Isaac is a reference to uh, the story in in Genesis where Abraham is about to kill his son Isaac because God tells him to, mm-hmm. which is called the Binding of Isaac because he's being bound. So um, you can have characters like Cain, like Cain and Abel, where he killed you know Cain killed his brother. And you pick up an item called Abel, which is basically Abel's head. <laughs> and he he's like a, he's a um, he's a familiar, so he flies around shooting shit at other people. Um, and then like the final the final thing you can be is um, like one of the par- you can be the dead baby. That's like the blue baby is one of the it's one of the characters you can be. Yeah, yeah, you can you like, as you when you beat the game, you you get like unlock different characters. And then when you <laughs> just play, it's, it's like it's <laughs> just a horrible. Yeah, it, it looks like it look it's like a like a extremely fucked up version of Castle Crashers, except that it, it the layout's like Legend of Zelda like your original like It's a top down, yeah, like top down. Yeah. Yeah. 
and like the it's basically just Legend of Zelda, but to some really macabre <laughs> sense. <laughs> I know it's really good. So <laughs> it was Lots fun, right? It was like hard as balls, but it was fun. It was probably horrifying for you to watch. Yeah, I mean, it was hard for me because like it it uses the regular keyboard setup, and I'm not I'm not even remotely close to. Yeah, you could you I, can um I've never you can map a. I haven't mapped a controller on there, but you can get a controller. But I think also, um, you were pro- you were playing the expansion, and right off the bat, it's so hard. Like, I yeah, I, have, I got three rooms in. I was excited, but um, most of it's because I was running away. Oh, it was it's oh it's so funny. I I love seeing your face when we were playing the game. Like, oh, it's good. The f- were you watching him while he was? Yeah, playing? I was watching because like after a while, I was like, I want to see a little bit of it. Like, I want to see a little more than three rooms originally. Uh-huh. So he started playing, and he was on a roll. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I went through the whole thing. I went through... Yeah, you, you, did we you go got through, to the whole thing, did, yeah. Yeah, did I, I went through Satan. There's like yeah. there's multiple endings, too. That That's sort of the thing. So you keep on playing the game over and over again. No, I think you went to Heaven. Okay, yeah, and I fought Isaac, probably. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> God. And um, so... I don't know if I told you. I don't know if I told Angel this story, but so um, I guess it was made through Newgrounds, and they tried selling it to Nintendo for the mm. 3DS. <laughs> and Nintendo was like, "No way!" Well, so yeah, I think they originally were in talks until they actually saw what the game was. Yeah, and they're like, and uh, then they had a conniption. No, no, we're not doing this. Oh, it burns our eyes. Yeah. Like if you thought <laughs> you can get away with Conker's Bad for a day, this is this is a lot worse than that. No, this, this is a lot worse than that. This is like it's not it's not even like that. It's it's gory, but it's not because it's gory. It's because it's yeah. just evil. The the whole fucking game is just evil. So get it. So definitely get it if you're really into PC gaming and cheap games. I mean, it's five bucks. Hours. It's literally I mean, five bucks. Yeah, and Alex definitely got like a hundred hours out of it so far. If you read the forums, like there's people that put in, I think like the average must have been like a hundred hours or something. Wow. Of people just because because it's it's frustrating, but you get far enough in it. You know, that you want to keep going. You actually improve on it, so you keep on trying to. Oh, I'll do. I'm doing a little better. Doing uh-huh. a little bit better. I'm doing a little bit better. Like it, it, you do get progressively give it better when you play more of it. It's just that's good. It's just a horrible game, though. It's just such a <sighs> <laughs> just like the fucking bosses. It's it's like their eyes come out of their heads and start the the eyes start floating around. That that's what you got to avoid. Like <laughs> and like one of the best power ups is you spitting out blood, like a beam of blood. <laughs> I just loved it when when the dead fetuses were familiar. That means maybe that might made. What about the one that was screaming? Like the ah! Oh yeah! The, oh god! It's the noise it made. It was <laughs> <laughs> just this creepy ass shit. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else you've been playing? Um, I started a little bit of Torchlight. Um, uh, what's the last time? Well. Played through Super Brothers, but I think we talked about that already. Um, that's about it. All right. Uh, let's see. I started Twilight Princess in HD, and it's gorgeous. Okay. Um, 
and then I've been working recently, so I haven't playing I haven't been playing games twenty four seven like I usually have. Uh, but I did get the Mass Effect DLC yesterday and played through that, and it's pretty good. I liked the endings originally, uh, so this was kind of just like more stuff for me. Didn't so really change my more opinion of, about more it. More of an elaborate ending. Uh, more, more explanation as to what happens to the characters. Which you know does not elaborate doesn't mean that I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Wait. It didn't. It didn't change. It did add one ending, uh, but it didn't change the endings that already existed. Should we talk about the ending or? No, no. I don't. No, I don't no. want to hear. Okay. It. <laughs> Angel doesn't want to know. I mean, that's that's really all you need to know about it is that it just explains some questions. Actually, a lot of questions that people had about the original endings by you know giving uh, filler cinematics in between the cinematics that already existed. Uh, I, I think I watched the new ending because I don't really care. If I play the mm. game, I'll play the game. And I was sort of disappointed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, it didn't change the ending. It just gives more info. So so they they basically, George Lucas did, just added like extra, extra CG scenes. Pretty much, yeah. But I was telling Angel before we started, they did add this one whole dialogue tree that makes a very long and boring part even more long and boring. <laughs> but it does give you information, so. <laughs> so basically they were like, well, you wanted this, so fuck you. Here yeah. it goes. Well, so, right. so they're never going to make... There, is there ever going to be a Mass Effect 4? They did actually say, like, when you beat the game, they added a new little thing from Bioware, like, thank you for playing our game. We're so glad to have done this. Thank you, fan base, blah, blah, blah. And they said, we look forward to making future or game future games in the Mass Effect universe. And they had already said something like that. I don't remember exactly where they had said it. Um, I got the impression that it was on, like, Twitter or something, so it wasn't, I mean, I you know, quote-unquote unofficial. On Kotaku, so. Well, whatever. But now they have something, you know, in one of their games saying, hey, we're going to keep making games. Uh, but they're not. it's not going to be, like, Mass Effect 4. It's not going to continue the story of Shepard. At least that's what they're saying. But it's just going to be in the same universe. So, that's that. Uh, and that's it. So, let's talk about indie games. Yes. Alex, you seem to be the most knowledgeable about this, so I'm going to let you lead this. I don't know about knowledgeable. I'm the most excited about it. That too. Um, what do you want me to say? Well, what is indie gaming? So, I guess the best way to start this would be saying in the past couple of years, gaming has gotten... Game development has become gotten to a point where it's gotten affordable for small companies to actually release their games through Xbox Live Arcade or through Steam or through PSN or through WiiWare. Yeah, WiiWare. And, and they've gotten pre and it's actually gotten quite a bit of traction lately. Um, you guys know my stance on Bastion, but there's plenty mm -hmm. of other games such as the well, Binding of Isaac. Well, what do you? <laughs> yeah, I think like. Alien, Alien Hominid started off as a as a flash game, right? Well, I think yes. that, yeah. So I think Alien Hominid started off as a flash game. Uh, Castle Crashers sort of. I, if there's any game that really started the modern indie gaming phenomenon, you could probably call Castle Crashers the really the big first game that really did it, right? That was the most popular game when Xbox Live Arcade came out. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was definitely yeah because I remember like the Xbox Live Arcade was basically like Uno. <laughs> That's all people played was Uno. Yeah, it was because originally it was just Flash games, and then suddenly you had this beat 'em up game that you could you know it's it's it was the it was a highly po- it's a highly polished game. It's a very mm-hmm. good game. Uh, Alien Hominid, but it's sort of they um, the Behemoth sort of started earlier when Alien Hominid had come up, but now it's gotten such now it's gotten so much traction that it's 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 actually become a viable model. So mm-hmm. I think it's a great I, it's it's a great topic to talk about. It's sort of what's interesting about indie gaming in general is because indie gaming has always been in existence of some form. It's sort of any now it's starting to encompass games that were never really hugely popular with the general public but now can be distributed online because it's easy mm-hmm. enough for them to distribute. So example of that more recently is something like Psychonauts. It came out was it 2005 or 2006? Around that, around that there right. originally. I think like two thousand, yeah, two thousand. It was like it's it's an old game, um, but it it was it didn't sell well at all, and six years later we suddenly have humble 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 indie bundle five, and it ended up being one of the games being offered, and you know along with like ten other games, um, they sold five million dollars worth, you know. Um, Essentially, five million dollars worth of revenue off of that, off of those games, that one included. So it's amazing that you know, you now have a digital distribution model where people can buy these games online for a very cheap price, and they made they made a huge killing off of it. So, so that's where it stands today. I, I'm kind of curious, like, what do you guys think? Like, what's the definition of an indie game? Is it solely a game that an independent developer makes? Yeah, technically, that's that's that is a straightforward answer. I mean, it's just some some guy that's or company that's not backed by any big publishers that release this game. They have their chance to release these games on the on. Okay, so then any of those markets. Uh, at what point does either an indie game or an indie developer cross the line and become no longer an indie game or an indie developer? I guess when they sell out. <laughs> but when, like, what, what does that mean? When is that? There's probably like, a. That's a great question. Like, cause because why, there's no. Why isn't Why isn't, for example, EA an independent developer? Because they are their well, own are, company. No, they're not really. I mean, they're a publicly traded company. They're not. So do you have to be? Privately traded? Well, to well, it's not privately traded. You privately owned, not right? Publicly traded, yeah. So yeah. Steam. So if we go by that definition, Valve is actually an indie game developer, right? They yeah. privately because own because they're not publicly traded. They're not yeah, a publicly, not publicly traded company. They actually okay. distribute their own games. Mm-hmm. It, most second-party games, you can argue, would be indie game developers in some form or another. It's not really a true definition, but in some ways. But then, isn't isn't Valve acting as the publisher? Valve is acting as the publisher, but it, because they're a privately traded company, be, or not privately traded, because they're a privately owned company, right? They're yeah. they're not publicly traded. If we go by that definition, it's they're mm. independent of of shareholders. They're independent of everybody else. Okay. Um, interesting. I don't know. I just I have a hard time seeing like Half Life Two as an independent game. In many ways, yeah, it's, I don't know. You know what? But so 
the 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 problem with that definition is a company like Valve is huge. Right. Valve is one of the most profitable companies out today. It's it's probably the most profit. It's, well, it's more of the, one of the, definitely one of the most profitable game companies out today. Um, with all with all its availability and stuff. Um, the thing is, the things Valve so. Valve's sheer size makes it not independent, but the types of games and projects that Valve pushes makes it very independent. If that makes sense, like Half Life Two makes it. D- does it actually make them independent, or does it just make them cater to independent developers and games? It's, they, they cater towards more independent, but there is, it's they tend to do stuff. I mean, they. I get what you're saying. Like they have the indie mentality, but are they themselves indie? I almost think that it doesn't really matter. I think at the heart, the the fact is at the heart the the way that they're own because they're own they are a privately create they're a privately created company that make whatever games that they want. That makes them in that would make them indie. Hmm. That's almost enough to make them indie. Okay. But indie tends to be smaller projects anyway. So we're talking at the most right. five to ten people person teams that make that develop a game. Right, and then I think. For me, at least, you know, with all these social games that have come up in the past few years and like tablets, iPhones, what what have you, you know, my my image of what an indie game is has kind of been skewed more towards that than maybe what it was before all that came about. Yeah, but like I figured those are more like just really just like super casual games, like. Right, and that's I I think I'm and like they re- and these some of these companies release like a ton of games like yeah it's the guys that made the guys that made Angry Birds I think came out with fifty other games or they they made some huge number of other games they were almost about to be bankrupt until Angry Birds mm-hmm. came yeah. out yeah. and that project almost got that project almost got canned um you know it's it. it it just tends to be smaller companies. There's a huge amount of risk for these guys, right? It's it's because it's small companies make they have to have all these development development tools and such. And if it fails, they're, they're fucking bankrupt. We're not talking about a company. We're talking about people's lives are completely ruined. Well, yeah. that's that's assuming that you know this is an actual company that's paying its employees and paying for like uh, rent and stuff, rather than you know a few buddies who just get together make a game and then find a publisher. Well, I mean that's what tends to be the, the thing is with indie games, I think indie games are larger than those casual games that you had previously mentioned. So something uh, or by definition it, it's almost your like you have a definition you said? Huh? Did you say by definition? By your definition. Or, okay. It's the, the the surprising thing for me about these indie games is we're talking about 10-hour games. At the mm-hmm. very least, like a whole adventure is 10 hours. Um, anything between it could be anything like Limbo was a two-hour, two to three-hour experience the first time through, compared to the the longest game I've played has been Bastion, which is a ten-hour game. Uh, you, if you if you swarm through it, you could do it in six. If you take your time with it and do all the things the first time through, that's at least a ten-hour. If you decide to do the new game plus, it's another five to six hours. Mm-hmm. And it's it's. It's the size of the size of that game is the equivalent of a triple A title now. Yeah. In fact, in some ways it's longer because they cut down they trim down on a lot of the fat <laughs> that make those triple A titles e- as long as they even are. 
Mm-hmm. Right. I can yeah. I can compare, and, and it's very odd. I can compare at this stage. I would compare something like Limbo or Bastion to something like even Arkham Asylum or Arkham City. In terms of what? In terms of the, a game on its own merits. Braid is another great example of this. The, when you see like the top games of the year, those games end up being on that list of the top ten games of the year. Gotcha. Like they actually compete against the AAA titles that you think you associate with. So right. on top, uh, along with you know Skyward Sword, Skyrim, Arkham City, Bastion was on that list. Minecraft was on that list. You know, Minecraft was made by one guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's incredible. That's 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 incredible. That's incredible that it could compete on that level. That it's gotten to that point that they can compete on that level. Mm-hmm. But so do you, do you want to talk about? Well, I guess we kind of already talked about the distribution and the price modeling. Well, so I guess the price modeling is the most interesting part of it, right? We're talking um, at the same time we're talking eight to ten hour games. It's, mm-hmm. So um, Braid is how long did it take me to go through Braid? It was I did it in eight hours, uh, or I played probably six hours and then played a couple more hours. And how much was it? At the time, it was like ten bucks or fifteen bucks. Okay. Um, the de- the games tend to be significantly cheaper. 10 to 15 dollars. Steam has a system in play where, you know, you have stuff like you have random sales going on where it's 75% off, 50 to 75% off for a limited period mm-hmm. of time. And what they've been finding has been it's very it's actually very lucrative because people were no, were normally not going to buy the game, find the game to be so cheap and it's actually advertised on the front of their page. They're like, "Oh, I'm going to just drop 3 bucks for this thing." And they actually pay the three bucks and and get this game, but a lot of people do it. Um, so uh, I wonder. EA doesn't like this, I think, or Activision. Right. One of them right. really hated this idea. I think it was it was probably EA. Because they were saying um, that it's it's they were saying that it's not gonna you're not um if you do that people will wait for the sale and they will not buy your game. Right. But what they sort of what Valve is so showing, and I think like companies like Good Old Games, what they're showing is otherwise. What they're showing is people don't buy your game because they can't afford your game. They were never going to buy your game at that price anyway. Mm-hmm. They weren't going to save up to buy your game. Right. So what you really have to do, though, if they pirate it, it was they were never going to pay it anyway. But if you drop the price enough to like. You know, then they will pay for they it. They will pay for it. And in fact, a yeah. lot of people will pay for it. Hmm. That's also, interesting. Also, like, you have taken into effect that most of these indie games, when they come out, there's very little fanfare. There's no... You know, there's no advertising for the game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very, very minimal advertising. So it's it's hard for, for those games to get noticed at first. And, and there's so many of them. And there's so many of them. And then you get, like, the Steam sales... That puts them right there in the front page, and that that also helps. Like, you know, <clears throat> it was like, oh shit, I never knew this game came out. It's three bucks. Let me see what it is about. Yeah, and I mean, be it's like, free advertising. Yeah, yeah. It, well, I guess it's not free if they're on sale, but yeah. Well, it's compl- like, you know, it's actually compl- um, it it's the way the economic it's the economics of it is very interesting in that um this and this sort of thing is starting to happen in other media it started happening in other media already like in the mu- the music industry 
has relentlessly kept that price. It's a dollar a song or forty cents a song, mm-hmm. which is sort of a rip. You know, you don't get any physical media; and it's a rip off. And what some groups have found were, I think, you know, like Coldplay was an example where they I think they were, one of their albums they were charging whatever you wanted, right? And what they found were people were paying on average eight to ten dollars for the entire album, which is a lot higher than people. You know, people thought you were just going to steal it for a, You know, they thought the average was going to be a dollar. Right. But what they're finding is that people, there's an inherent understanding of fairness. They don't. They. It's not that they're going to steal it from you. They steal it because they can't afford it, and otherwise they're never going to listen to it anyway. Right. You want to support the things that you like, but. You know, if you don't have the money, then you don't have the money. Exactly. So it's 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 actually worked extremely well for Valve, and it's worked extremely well for these smaller companies. You never had there was never an, um. You know the difference between now and. The difference between now and say when Alien Hominid came out. Not Alien Hominid HD for Xbox, but when it came out for those other for Xbox for um, PS2 and for uh, GameCube, was that you ha- they had to like get the distribution. They had to somehow get the funding to make you know to make those copies to make the deals with Nintendo or Microsoft or Sony, and then they had to distribute the physical media, which is an incredible amount of money. Wait, what do you mean? So, in order to distribute something like that, it costs a lot of money to physically have to actually burn the discs to get the rights for your system. Oh, yeah. I forgot that they, those were on discs. I was thinking it was just DLC. Yeah, no, no. They came out oh. the Xbox, yeah. PS2. And yep, yep, I remember. But the same yeah. reason, I think it's partly the same reason why Psychonauts didn't do well, right? Because it, there's a group of people, like, you had to pay $50 for it, and it's not... It, you had to physically get the thing out, and it sort of—they didn't know how to advertise it, so the developer sort of just sank the game, mm-hmm. or you know, or the distributor sort of sank the game. They, and it's gotten such a cult following that people are now getting to a point that they're willing to, you know, they'll they're willing to pay for it, a six-year-old game. <laughs> right. I mean, if you know, if you like something and you get the chance to pay for it. Why not? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it was critically acclaimed when it came out. Like, all I remember reading all the reviews saying, De- "Definitely get this game. This game is amazing. It's fun. It's good." Everybody was busy playing Halo. It's and yeah. Blinks the cat. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna the 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 great thing about one of the other great things about indie games that these big companies, I don't know if they cannot do, but they ha- they struggle to do so, is they're given so much flexibility in terms of what kind of game content they, they can make. Mm-hmm. Um, you have games like Machinarium and Super Brothers uh, Swords and Sorcery. Those are... They would never get made. <laughs> How... Are, are indie games rated by the ESRB? I don't believe so. Really? That's actually an interesting point. Yeah, I'm not sure how they're rated. Huh. Because I was going to ask, like, are there any AO indie games? Yeah, I... Custard's Revenge. Oh, God. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm checking the store page right now for, um... Because, I mean, it seems like they have to be rated. Because I thought that was kind of the point of the ESRB. 
It's not federal law, though, for the ESRB. It's a recommendation, isn't it? I don't know. It's not required for... I just looked for some of them on... You know what? Maybe it is just a recommendation, because I think the reason people have their games rated is so that the retail stores will sell it, because the retail stores have rules about what games they will and won't sell. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. They don't have it. It's a voluntary thing, and not even all high-budget games have ERSB ratings. Interesting. Be interesting how strict those rules get, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is still under people. A lot of this is still under people's radar. Right, because there's no advertisement for it. It's just the people who know about it and word of mouth, and the internet. Yeah, but you, like, yeah, you luckily you now have YouTube, and like you right. can put your you can put your gameplay demos on YouTube, and then you know just hopefully gather following following from there. I mean, I didn't. I remember when I first heard about Bastion. It was like some random interview. Um, like they they actually were at E. I think they were at E3. Yeah, with that game. Yeah, and and I and that's when I first heard about it, and I was like, oh shit, this sounds amazing. <laughs> I, I was actually. <laughs> The um the demo for that game, I was almost terrified because I was like, "This looks awesome," but there's no way it can be this. There's good. All, there's most of the time, what what the hell is this gonna be? Like you know, because mm-hmm. but what what was even more promising? They didn't just show a demo. It was very old school. It, they made a demo very much like how Nintendo makes a demo. And, and in fact, a lot of these indie game developers, if they show a demo. They do what Nintendo does, which is they ha- because they have to. They show the gameplay. Yeah. Um. And you had we had no idea. Like, oh, it'll be you know that narrator was really cool in that demo, or the the, <laughs> the narrator is really cool on the in that trailer. Who had any clue that the narrator was going to be throughout the entire game? You know, I mean, that, like that that sort of thing was. I'm glad that game came out. It's 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 like the best experience I've had in a long t- best video game experience I had in a long time. <laughs> I like the correction. Well, there's other experiences I enjoy. Yes, so. yes, yes. That was the joke. Um, I wonder how like if it's more profitable for say a big company to make a AAA title versus a, an indie developer making an indie game and selling a lot of copies. Well. All right, how about this? Um, Kingdoms of Alamar came out, and that was a AAA title. Mm-hmm. It was it was made by uh, Kurt Schilling, former pitcher, who who plays lots of video games. Decided to fund his own company, and made this awesome game. And it's, it's a lot of fun. It's very good too. Um, if you had a chance, definitely pick it up. Um, but it failed. And destroyed his company. <laughs> he ended up losing, I believe, Alex uh, stated earlier, um, in some talks we had, it was like seventy million dollars. Someone, or was it seventy like, million, or was it seven million? Seven million. No, it I, doesn't matter. It's a it, lot of money. It's a lot of money he lost, and his company got shut down. Like it basically had to, had to go bankrupt because the game just tanked. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, we've had a lot of these discussions about game costs, and I think the the most there was a definitive article and was a gameindustries.biz or whatever that website is, but it was about EA losing. It basically in the last year, it's lost two billion dollars. It two billion two billion. Mm-hmm. It's a four billion dollar company. Whoa! So we were talking earlier about THQ. 
Yeah. So THQ's om- almost went bankrupt, but they mm. pretty much fired everybody. Yeah. Um, they actually you can you actually pick it up. I just checked the stock today. You can buy a piece of TH, uh, THQ for fifty six cents. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know what it closed at. At around eleven o'clock in the morning, it was selling for fifty six cents a share. Yikes. But buy it up now, because I think there was an article saying that they're just gonna make triple A titles from now on. Huh. Yeah, that that is actually what the article said. Like uh they gave an example, uh U Draw. They're not gonna be doing any more like experiments or small projects or something. They're just gonna be doing triple A titles. So nothing but Saint Rose four through six. Darksiders. And Darksiders. Yeah. But it makes sorry, Alex, where are you saying? But it's like it, it's such a stupid like EA had been doing this for years. And what ended up happening for them was that they've in the past year or two they've depreciated in value in half. So twenty twenty ten it was like a four billion dollar company. It dropped by two billion dollars. It's now a two billion dollar company. Like what what the hell happened? Um and you know, so the question is what's going on? I mean they make a lot of triple A titles. Mass Effect just and, fucking came out. Right, and a lot of their triple A titles sell really well. I mean, so the question is whether the sale at the cost versus the benefit. I mean, and right. There's there's several things about the indie game model that really provides a platform for I mean, if you hit it big, you hit it big, but there's certain things about the size of the teams and the types of games that are made that that make you sort of wonder like is that really I mean, that's that might actually be a more a better way to go, you know. One of the big advantages are these small teams. You don't have hundreds of people, or but how many? Pe- I mean, uh, Adam, you probably have a better idea of this. How many people normally develop like a AAA title? How many developers are involved? How many programmers? Oh, a lot. But I mean, we're t- are we talking about a lot, over like hundreds? Hundreds, easily, yeah, over yeah. easily over like hundreds. People. So we're talking about two or th- two to three hundred people. Sure. So, um. The guy who made ba- like Casamassina, what's his name? Matt Casamassina. Ca- is it Casamassina from IGN? No, no, Casavant. Um, so the guy who, one of the guys that made uh, the the guys who did Bastion from Supergiant Games, it's it was like a seven, or f- it's like a five a seven five to seven person team that made that game. Nice. And a couple of them used to work for EA and worked on. I think uh, Command and Conquer Three, and what they said was they didn't like how they had no con- no real control over that project. There's just too mm. many people working on the damn thing right. to make the AAA title. And what really helped was they 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 whittled their team. You know, they went from a couple hundred people to to just seven people. One person mm. does the programming. One per and that's probably. That's an extreme. This is an extreme. I mean, case. it's it's like the equivalent of working in an animation studio where you're just you're you're given directions and you just draw image after image after image after image and you're not in control of any of it to making your own TV show. Yeah, no, that's correct. I mean, how many writers can you? I mean, sometimes it works, right? If you're Seinfeld, you have a you know you have a couple dozen writers, or I don't know, you have ten writers or so. But if we're talking about a couple hundred people. Doing how many different visions of this are we talking about, and how much does each of those people cost? Mm-hmm. Rather than maybe if you, I don't want to say fire, not fire them necessarily, but you made a bunch of smaller games 
uh, you don't hire as many people, but you actually pay those guys a little bit better. Right, because you can. Because you can then, yeah. Um, you save down on costs. You, you know, that's one of the, that's one huge advantage, and I think that's that's business-wise, that's probably a huge advantage. Yeah, and instead of having like you know a three hundred person team work on one game, you can have you know all most smaller cells work on numerous amounts of games. Yeah. Which, with you know, the the way technology is, you can easily create a game that could rival rival some like some of the good looking games, and like not per se like like polygon counts or whatever, but just like in the in the overall art style. But I think could I, rival some of the big games now and be a lot more profitable. I think for un- your company. I think until we have a next, re- we we have to get to a point where it's a really big boost in technology, in processing technology and development, where you can make realistic looking games. And at this point, the changes are not huge. They're not very big. We're not talking very big swaths. We're talking small particle effects. We're t- we, we you need like a huge change that makes it very photoreal like from now to be very photorealistic until we get to that point it makes more sense to to be more creative with the art style like there's the tools available to make the different art styles to make something look really really good based on your imagination rather than just trying to make it photorealistic and you know um the tools are available the tools are now available that you can write a game make a game produce a game make the music for a game do the animation for a game with with such limited number of people the fact that braid was made by two guys right or or the fact that limbo was made by li- like limbo was literally made by two guys mm-hmm. limbo's a it's a very simple looking game it's a black and white game it's a beautiful game yeah, it's one of the best-looking games out there. Bastion, it's a gorgeous game. It's one of the best-looking games out there, right? Braid is, it's it's such a gorgeous game to look at. Um, Mac, you know, like all these indie games that we 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 can talk about, like um, you know, Machinarium. I'm not going to put Binding of Isaac on there. <laughs> um, even like Magicka looks like a great game. Trine, you know, if anybody's played Trine before, that's a gorgeous game. And they're made by small indie groups. Um, in fact, Trine is probably the best example of like that's a that's a really good looking game, and we don't or like. Go ahead. No, I'm I'm sorry. No, like I was remember uh, a Shadow Complex came out for yeah. for the Xbox Live, and that was made by Epic, and that's a that's a great looking game too. It's 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 3D. It has like it plays just like Super Metroid, and it's a lot of fun and. It was only like fifteen bucks. I'm waiting for that to come out on PC. What about like Alien Swarm? Uh, that I haven't played like or heard about either. It's free. It's yeah, free. I want to. I'm trying to get a couple of friends to get it together with to play. But that's a great looking game too. It's actually quite good looking. Um. But yeah, Portal was sort of like Portal and Portal Two are sort of that way too. Yeah, you also have Flower for the PS3. Flower, yeah. Um, um Flower, Journey. Um, like Journey. Journey. Yep. Um, was there another one for for the PS3? Flow, flow, yeah, yep. Flow is very simple, and it's a lot of fun. But I mean, sort of um, what what makes those games, um, 
you, Adam, you were making a, a case about how games are art, and really, I can't really say. I don't. I don't think AAA titles really do a good job of pushing that boundary. They they do a very good job of the cinematics, but they that it doesn't really differentiate itself from games from from games and a movie. It almost feels you know in many of those cases almost feels like game then movie then game then movie. It almost separates the two. Right. So it sounds like what you're trying to say is like games are more like or I'm sorry, AAA titles are more like movies if that were an art argument, and then indie games would be more like paintings. Well, no, I think indie games really try to make games into something completely different they try to source they they turn themselves into like they take ideas and integrate the game and the narrative together in a way that distinguishes them from other forms other art forms Mm. um you cannot have bastion made into a movie the way bastion is set up you cannot make that you cannot write that into a movie because it'll seem so canned. Like, what makes that game so awesome, especially with the narrative, is the narrative responds exactly to what you do. And there's no... I can't imagine a movie... Like, you can imagine a movie version of Bastion that wouldn't be so much different from the game version. Or that would be very different from the game version. As opposed to, like, Modern Warfare 2... You can you can see a Bruce Willis movie out of that that would like or you have already if you watch any Michael Bay films currently exactly it, it's it's sort of that way already. Um. Well, I mean, for that example, it just sounds like linearity. It's one example of it. Yeah, linearity is one example of it. Um. It but. Yeah, I mean, I guess one one other really big advantage of indie games has been. We've complained before, and uh, this was one of the big complaints of, e- of E3, right? Everything's the same. Right? How many games are... Um, it's going to be a shooter of some sort. It's going to be... this. It's going to be this environment. Uh, some sort of gritty place that you're going to play in. And uh, people are going to get shot at. Right? It's an urban setting of some sort. Or it's the middle of the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Or you're fight. Um, it's no longer Nazis, but it's some sort of. It's war- no longer Nazis, but it's some sort of. It's war- terrorists. It's terrorists. Some sort of terrorists. That should be a quote on one of their boxes. Um, it's no longer Nazis. They're space terrorists. <laughs> right. So it's like one. It could, it's one. It's become one of Halo four, four different four different things. <laughs> um, and I think game developers are not really game developers are not really given an opportunity to. From for big for big titles, they're not really given an opportunity to try something new. There's too much risk. And indie games really have tried. I mean, a lot of the game. There's no two games. No two indie games that are really that similar. I mean, those environments Do, are so different. To indie develop well, because well, that's kind of what I was thinking about. Like, you know it. EA makes a lot of the games they publish the same because they make so much money so they just keep making sequels and sequels and sequels and they keep selling and selling and selling. So, like, I mean, this kind of seems like a stupid question, but have, you know, do indie companies make more than one game? Sure. Oh, you know, they'll definitely, yeah, they'll definitely either, like... They made sequels. If, if, the, if, if the first one is really successful, they'll try to make a sequel. Mm-hmm. But most of the end of the time, they just they keep making different... 
projects. So they just keeping they yeah. just keep making but new you can, ideas. Yeah, you keep with new ideas, but you can still sense where they're coming from. Hmm. Like it, it feels like most new games like they are, are like an evolution. Hmm. You know, as they get better, you know. I wonder why like, that is. Because that, like Alex, you mentioned the risk, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just not understanding it right. But like, it seems like the risk would be pretty equal because I mean if you're a small company with a pretty low budget and your game doesn't sell then you're going to go bankrupt and the same if you're a big company you spend a lot of money and your game doesn't sell well then you still lose a lot of money but I think yeah but like it doesn't so, it doesn't stop these people from trying on their own like so the you mean before they're a company and they have bills to pay well no yeah what like, you're, I mean you can there's not like they can fall back like some, some guy took like two years to finish a game just doing it by himself. I mean, you can. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Without having any money going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, but I'm pretty sure he. Yeah, doing it on his own free time. Like I'm pretty sure, like he, they can get a re- like a, not a real job, but get another job out there. Right, and, right. And, but and then on their free time is when they start working on these games. But then he's not in indie develop. Well, well no, so he he's is still in indie. He's developer. not an indie company. Well, so he's he's the risk. The the risk is there. There's a huge amount of risk as an indie developer. But the only way you can mitigate the like the thing you're trying to sell as an indie developer is not the same thing because you'll get swallowed up by the competition. If you're for the most part, if you're an indie developer trying to make another Mario, you're gonna get swamped, right? What distinguishes your game from anybody else? Why should Super I? Super Meat Boy, huh? No, then you can just try to go make Super Meat Boy. So. Super Meat Boy has a certain aspect to it that completely is distinct from, like, it's not. It's distinct from Mario. It's a type of. It's a type of platformer, but there's no other real game like Super Meat Boy. No. Like it just because it's it's freaking hard as hell. It's relentless, mm-hmm. and there's a whole bunch of characters. It's it's like fully fleshed out, which is a funny way of putting a talking about a game called Super Meat Boy. Huh. But <laughs> but it's. So, like, what you have to sell when you don't have much else, you have to sell innovation. You have to sell mm-hmm. something new. Mm-hmm. Um, this goes back to, like, what the Wii was doing. I don't know if people really understand why they went that direction. Because th- the argument was, if Nintendo was going to try to compete head-to-head against Sony and Microsoft, they would They're never have won. There's no way they could have won. Right? If they tried to make... a better graphical processor at that time to compete against Microsoft and Sony um, they would have gotten swallowed up by the competition and it would have cost them too much money to risk that on the same token if an indie game developer tries to make a Modern Warfare 3 by dumping as much money into hardware and programming as possible the company will they will not be able to produce anything close to that quality and because they can't distinguish themselves from those other games they're going to be destroyed. So, in in that sense, they have to come up with a brand new idea, in in some essence, to distinguish themselves and to to sell their product. And that's where it most you know, if the idea works, it succeeds very well. So, braid braid is completely new. It takes an old idea and it it switches it around to something very clever. Yeah, I feel like most of these games are just like one, like integral game mechanic and then they right 
build upon that. Like, you know, you have Braid. One, one unique character. Yeah, one unique, yeah, like, you have, like, Shrine, which is, you play as three different characters at the same time. Um, and then just builds upon that. And then you have Bastion, where this world basically, I, um... Bastion's, like, redeeming character. Bastion, in Bastion's case, I think there's several different things, but the one big thing is the in-game narration. The, way the in-game narration and the world that that comes around you as it builds, yeah. But there's yeah, so many, there's so many even little gameplay things that I thought were incredibly clever that I, I haven't really seen before. The modulate, like how modular that game is, right? The fact that your weapons, like during the game, your weapons are all really good, and you can all the more you upgrade each one's like, oh, maybe I'll try this combination. You you have so many variety of combinations. Even like the dif- the difficulty of the game can be modulated in game, right? You go to the shrine and you can turn on certain gods, like that. Well, I mean, I mean, I've seen that before with you know with with Halo Three with like the the, the, the skulls. skulls. Yeah. But you have to beat the game first before you get the skulls, right? Yeah. Yeah. In Bastion, it's well, you in, have to find the you skulls. have to find the skulls. Find in Bastion, it's there already. Well, like e- even before then, there there was something like say Banjo Kazooie where you could enter the passcodes in whatever level that was. I never played Banjo-Kazooie, so I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm just saying it's not a new idea. Yeah, it's not a new, new... I mean, it's a, it's a different implementation of or it. Like, yeah. How about double, 007, where you could turn on the cheats, like paint mode and DK mode and stuff? Yeah, but you get that after you beat the... You can't. But there's no cheat yet. Yeah, these are like... These are implemented right off the bat. I mean, and... Yeah. Like, right off the bat, you get this building, and you can go in and, like, oh, you could turn these gods on. And to get more gods, you buy more gods. Yeah, and to also like it also what what the gods end up doing is they ramp up the difficulty, but they also mm-hmm. pay higher re- rewards. Yeah, so you're not just like, arbitrarily making the game harder for yourself. There's a reason to do so. So how is that different from just setting the setting of the like? Let's say plan? like you when you like in Halo when you put the skulls on, um, you don't really get. No, but I mean like usually in games if. If it's harder, then you get more reward. Yeah, depends. Well, no, no, no. The, the reward this way is like they it gives you like they they have a multiplier uh, multiplier for like the x XP and the right and the amount of money you get back. So like if you have certain gods on you, they add up. They either have like add five percent or ten percent extra to what you can possibly get from like finishing a level or whatever. Right. It's a very RPG-like... Ex- I mean, it's not new. You guys are right, it's not new, but I think the way they implemented it is actually quite... It's it's a breath of fresh air. I mean, they it's it's an RPG-like aspect of the game, but they made it completely modular, as opposed to something like, say, um, Diablo 3, where once you go into Inferno mode, that like the harder it gets, you're, you're going to get dropped better and better items. Mm-hmm. But you have to... It's, you cannot modulate that on your own. You have to beat the game multiple times to get to that point. In this case, you could, right off the bat, you can make it as hard as you want. But then you could also add certain things that, so you can choose what, it's not, you're not ramping up difficulty. You can choose what aspects of those, of those enemies are harder. So Mm -hmm. the enemies are faster. That's one of the upgrades that they have. The enemies Mm -hmm. are going to be resistant to some attacks. That's another upgrade you can have. They start dropping bombs. That's another upgrade you can have. And then you can combine multiple ones of these. So there's up to ten. You can combine all ten of them 
to make an even harder game. Yeah, but like, and also you can tinker around to see which ones you you can get by with. Yeah, they give you enough of a challenge, but don't get you over like, don't get you swarmed. Like, there's one of them where like, enemies respawn their health when you're not shooting them, or like they randomly reflect shots, or uh, they they are they hit harder. They don't drop health potions. Like you know, there's certain things you can leave off that make the game somewhat yeah. manageable with the with certain gods on. But I mean, I think the point is like they try, they have to try new ideas. They right. have to try <clears throat> new ideas, and I think what the risk for a company like EA and Activision, they argue that they cannot spend that money. Like what they have to spend their money on is there's too much of a risk to put too much money on a new IP so they have to depend on an old IP to make their more to make the money to satisfy their shareholders and make an even larger profit mm-hmm. yeah like new IPs are because they know not, right yeah. they know that the sequels will sell they don't know that a new IP yeah, exactly will sell. Yeah. so like you know new IP is there it's not the, on the forefront it's not on the agenda mm-hmm. you know it's usually the last piece I want to talk about so like if you notice like some of the games they release are you know, tried and t- tried and true sequel, 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 and then like one or two new IPs that they can. They had extra money. Yeah, they basically had. Basically, what it ends up being is that they had extra money. They can they push this, or, or they really believe in the idea. But like most of the time, it's like like the new IPs that they that that they that are coming out are almost like the same game, except just a different. Different storyline. I mean, when Assassin's Creed first came out, it was essentially Prince of Persia, except with open world setting, like a sandbox game setting, and you you know you you had this new story built around. But it was built on like the Prince of Persia acrobatics that you can do. So it wasn't such a dire new like a, such a uh, departure of like of a game. Mm-hmm. As you can say, like you know, it was a new IP with old mechanics. Basically, by I mean, the setting. Actually, most of these new IPs really are, and there's very few games that are much different than anything else they played. I mean, you play, you know, uh, what's that game that Epic came out? Bulletstorm. Mm-hmm. It plays like a regular first-person shooter, except that you have this stupid-ass power that you can grab things and or kick them <laughs> to, or kick them. So that's, and turn them into Meat Boys. Yeah. So. Um, shoot, what was I going to say? Oh, launch dates and release dates. Obviously, you know, big companies have those, so that's a lot of pressure on the developers making the games. Yeah, but, like, you know, that that always sometimes just ends up failing because you, you're rushing out this product. Right, that right, that's the point I'm trying to make. So, like, how how does that work with indie developers? You don't have, you just, I mean, I guess you go by, you. you I guess they would, you know, the permanent money they have, mm-hmm. and be realistic with that, and but push it out when it's done. I mean, because potentially, you know, you could go for as long as you wanted and as long as you needed to make the game. Yeah, as long as whatever you, you want it to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I remember when, like bat- when Bastion first, I was I heard about it. It still wasn't like it came out like a year and like a half Fez. later. Fez took this one guy however many years. You know, I saw Fez for the first time maybe like two or three years ago and it just came out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can take that You can take that time to perfect the game and that's why most of these games play very well. Mm-hmm. 
But then again, if it tanks, then you've wasted a lot of time and resources. You've you've wasted your own time and resources. I think that's sort of the one. It what makes something indie is the f- the inherent freedom that you have. And yeah, that's and I like, think that's you know a, you know this going in. Like it's not like you know this could you know it's not gonna it's not gonna break you. Well, it could break you. Because you have to be. Sp- well, I mean, it could, it could break you, but like, you're not really. You're not coming from much. You have to be smart. You have to be smart enough to be able to run it. If you're at a point where you're making your own game and you you really believe in it, it requires a degree of planning. It's a small business. the The person that has the most investment in it is the dev- is the one or two person developer. Mm-hmm. They have to be able to get the the startup capital from wherever to make their game, but it's a huge it's a huge risk on the individual. But you know it's he makes all the reward too. If that that game works, they make all the reward. Um, the Binding of Isaac was made by like three guys. Um, they just pat when the when the expansion came out, they just surpassed like seven hundred thousand copies sold. Right, they they've almost reached a million somehow on that fucking Flash game, <laughs> which it's when you think about it, it's that's amazing, and but that's a huge risk for them to have taken. Um, but they don't have to answer to anybody else, but either their fans, who it's a small enough community that they'll probably understand, mm-hmm. and they can actually directly communicate with the guy, and I don't know, maybe the bank that they loan money from. <laughs> if they decide to take loans out, but right. otherwise, who, they don't have to answer to shareholders. They don't have to answer to stockholders, right? They don't have to answer. So for EA, they have to answer to these guys. You have to make even more. It's not that you have to make a profit. You have to make even more of a profit than you previously had. So why make more money so that I can invest oh, more then, in your company? And then you also have to report on like how you're going to make more money like you have to give annual reports to these guys like you know what's in the works what you're planning on doing and so that also takes time and resources yeah it takes time and resources or it also makes you it also it's also an immediate effect that they need and many times those kinds of definitions are those kinds of uh moves are very bad moves it ends up hurting it can hurt the company in long term uh there could be long-term consequences um, a great example of this is Blizzard right now. So, what, the auction house for Diablo 3? You can, mm-hmm. you know, they take what was like a 15% pay cut plus another 15% for if you do it through PayPal, or PayPal takes 15%. You're selling $250 item. You, you know, you're, people are selling some of these in game items for $250 a pop. And what it's, it sort of ruins the community. It almost ruins the game because if, that's what's going to happen. It's like, well, why do I even have to play the game really well or spend the time getting the better item? I'm not going to invest the time into this. I'm just going to fucking buy the thing that I want, and I'll and that'll be the end of it. And that's yeah, but like it's not. It's different. It's not like a. Is there? I don't think there's PB players player, so like it doesn't really affect your. No, but it also limits the amount of time. It limits the amount of time you're going to play the game. It's going to limit the right. Investment so if you the have game. the best weapons to start off, then you're going to make it through the game a lot faster than if you had started from nothing. Yeah, and it's going to prevent you from like wanting to play the game even more. You know, so the long jet it's going to prevent it's going to get make the game boring, so you're going to say, "Well, I'm why should I tell my friends to get the game?" Well, I mean, at the same time, you've already paid for the game and you're giving uh Blizzard the money for the item. So, they're kind of 
yeah, winning in so both the, cases. So the question, though, is is there longevity in the game? That What set apart that game from Diablo 2, for example, is Diablo 2 kept on selling, right? Years after that game had come out, people were still buying because people were still playing the game. There are more people that they're like, oh, my friends are still playing this. I'll pick mm. up a copy for 20 bucks. And this is a long-term... This is one of those long-term questions that they had, like, long-term benefits that they had. It didn't matter how many you sell. I mean, how much you sell at first is impressive, but that's not the end of the story. It's how much, how many more you can sell after that point that also matters. Well, I mean, it, it depends on what the gamer is looking for in their game. I mean, if they're just looking to beat it once, then yeah, you're right, it's not going to last very long. But then there's going to be people who play the game perhaps solely to get items, sell them, and make money. Uh, but then again, that depends on, you know, other people playing the game that they can sell to. Yeah. Yeah, but think of it this way, like, the guy who buys a game, I mean, buys, like, the item, you know, has his best item, so he's going to play, and then he's be like, maybe thinking, I can do the same thing now a lot easier because I have this awesome weapon or whatever and an awesome Yeah, armor. so then maybe he turns into a farmer. He turns too. into a farmer too because he can. He's like, I'm at least make back the fucking money that I spend on this thing. But still, you need someone to be buying all the stuff from the you, farmer. You still have, but you know, they, they, I mean, they, there is a market for it. You, you clearly see like there's the real money trade problems in like in MMOs, like people who actually pay, so they don't have to farm and like they don't have to like sit there and, and get all this money so they can do that. So this is an interesting... So like, it's an interesting phenomenon. And what's happening, though, is I think the dr- there's been a huge drop-off in terms of people buying Diablo 3 and playing Diablo... Even more of a drop-off of people playing Diablo 3. Everybody's beaten the game, but they're not coming back to play the game even more with their friends. They sort of called it quits. As opposed to Diablo 2, where they just kept on playing that game. Like, we're talking about people playing that game for years... Right, we're talking about, and right now we're talking. Diablo three came out after a couple. Um, Diablo three came out what a month and a half ago now, and mm-hmm. it's already dropping off really quickly. So eventually, what's going to happen though is you're not going to have enough people. Not enough people are going to be using the, um, the auction house to make it worthwhile. Right. All right. There's going to be fewer and fewer people buying stuff because they're only going to try buying the most expensive thing possible. So it's, but again, I mean that it all depends on, you know, the people who have bought the game. It depends on what their interest is in the game. No, no, but like in terms of the large scale, in terms of like, okay, how much money can this game bring in? The the solution in terms of the short term is great. For for Blizzard, it's like I'll make all this money now. But the question is. Can you really sustain this? Not only that, right. if people are realizing I could just buy shit on this game, and do so, and the and fewer and fewer people play, your your sales the sales of the game are going to drop exponentially, and it's not going to be able to be made up by the people trying to buy shit off of you know off right, the fucking right. store. But I mean, you're you're assuming, and it sounds like for good reason that people are going to stop playing the game rather than just playing it over and over and over because they enjoy playing it because it's fun. Yeah, I mean, there's no longevity to it, and the question is, maybe they can pat, you know, they can possibly patch it. They can they can add some stuff to it. We have no idea what they're going to decide to do, but I mean, this this is I think we should talk about this topic. This like 
yeah, large yeah. company so how, topic how, some other time. But in terms, of, how does that relate back to indie games? Well, so I know the indie game philosophy here has been sort of the opposite, right? Um, in Valve's case, so if we use Valve as an example, um, okay, let's talk about Team Fortress Two. <laughs> free to play, it, it was out for several years. They suddenly made it free to play, and then they had a model of, we'll let you play with all the characters. You cannot use the upgrades unless you buy the full version of the game, which is like five, I think it's like ten bucks or something. It's some ridiculously cheap price, um, and it's again, it's well worth the price. And what the way they decided to make money though was like, I don't think you could probably buy some of the items. You could probably buy some of the items, um, some of the weapons, but I don't think you can buy um, or. Yeah, you can buy the weapons, but the weapons are balanced in a way that, you know, you have to get a certain combination, and you, you know, it's, it doesn't break the game. Like the items are balanced enough that they're not going to break the game. Between the people who pay and don't. Pay. Yeah. But you could also buy a bunch of accessories that are completely have nothing to do with anything, right? People buy hats, like your lightsaber for your avatar. Yeah, stuff like that, <laughs> and. uh... I don't do it because I think it's retarded, but mm. people paid like twenty five bucks for a fucking beard for the heavy. <laughs> oh jeez. Which, but the thing is, they um, what Valve has essentially done though is they don't keep they don't raise the price on the actual core game. It's like if you like the game enough, you'll get this extra stuff for yourself, which as irrelevant as it may be. But, in fact, they keep on coming out with new developer tools for the old game. Mm-hmm. Right? Look at something like Portal 2. It came. They came out with a tool so that you can make your own levels. And then you can post them online. And then people are going to play whatever levels you put up. There's no cost associated with that. They're not going to charge you for new maps that other people made. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, for Team Fortress 2, they're going to come out with a new game type. It's going to be free. I don't have to pay anything. And this... So you're saying all this in testament to the longevity of indie not games? O- yeah, it's not only the longevity of the indie game, but also, like, I'm going to keep with this company because they've been good to me. They're okay. not trying to rip me off. Um, Supergiant Games is another example of this. So the the expansion for Bastion on PC was completely free. They charged a dollar for it for Xbox Live users because Microsoft has to you have to pay Microsoft. Like they has to put a they have to put some cost to it. So they they charge you a dollar for the the expansion which is uh, another dream sequence and some extra modes that you can play. And um that's to the longevity of the game because it says to the consumer, "Oh man, I can play this game even longer. I'll get I'll it'll help me encourage even more people to play the game." Which I think it but has. But then, what 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 happens when I guess like the market of people buying this is saturated? So essentially, no one else is going to buy it because already everyone already has it, and you just keep getting more and more stuff. So there's no reason to <clears throat> say go out and buy this company's new game. What? So like Team Fortress Three? Maybe or Diablo Three. So in Diablo Three's case, well, let's talk about. I don't think they're coming out with a Team Fortress 3 anytime soon because they're still developing right. for Team Fortress 2. In right. fact, and they they've actually made the game free for everybody. But I mean that's that's kind of a strategy at least for, you know, bigger companies is 
that, or maybe not a strategy, but a worry. If you include too much stuff and they keep playing, then there's no reason to get the next game. And that's the thing. They've, I think, in Valve's case, they've diversified their portfolio enough that they don't have to worry about something like that. In the case of somebody like Epic, like if you're making a game, uh, well, so for like Modern Warfare, you've saturated the game. Now you got to make a new game that people have to buy. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just they haven't really figured a way. They haven't modeled a company to be able to account for that. In Supergiant's case, we added some new stuff so we'll have more people pay for our game. But we know we have to make the next product on top of that, right? So it buys them a little more time to start thinking of new ideas for their next game, which is probably going to be another one or two year project to develop. Mm. They, This is one of the dis- disadvantages of being a small company. If you're a company that's completely dependent on innovation, you always have to innovate. Right. You always have to come with a new idea. And you may not make as much money as you did the last time, but hopefully you make enough money so that you can both live pretty well and you can make enough money to make the next game. Right? Hmm. But that's dependent on how you decide to run your business. Because, I mean, aside from this, just continually adding free stuff, that does take time and resources away from you. Yeah, and... And you're not getting anything back. Well, you are getting in. You are getting something well, back. Well, okay, so you you might be you might be getting new customers, but let's say again that everybody who's bought it has bought it already. Yeah. So you're talking in terms of like Supergiant. Okay. So in Su- Supergiant's case, they were going to make one upgrade, and that was it. They made one expansion, which they didn't even have to fucking make. You know, it's something they you know they they made a lot of money from the game. Presumably, they made a lot of money. I mean, they were part of Humble Bundle Five, so I don't know how much money they, if they raked in five million dollars across you know ten games and a couple organizations, I'm sure they made a pretty penny off of it. But it means that they ha- so now they're back on the drawing. It means they're on the drawing board and they're making a new game. In Valve's case, they never have to like as long as Team Fortress Two is still being played and people are still paying for fucking hats. And they just keep on putting in more random hats mm-hmm. that people are willing to pay for, but they don't force you to pay for it because it doesn't do anything. Right. Right? It's sort of... Okay, that's fine. <laughs> like, I think the the difference between selling a hat in Team Fortress 2 versus selling a horse in, in, in Oblivion, it almost sounds like the same thing, but I think Team Fortress 2 is very upfront with what you're buying. They don't try fooling you. They don't say like, "Well, we're putting in an expansion. You should pay fifteen dollars." You buy it, and you realize you just get more. Ho- you get dressages for your horse. You know you're getting a fucking beard in Team Fortress Two. You know what it's going to look like on your character because they put it on the model. Like it's very op- it's very obvious what it is already. So if you want to buy it, so it's it's basically like, I guess, a demo of the DLC. It's like saying, like... So you can you can try it before you buy it. I don't even know if you could try it, but it's like, you know what you're getting. You know exactly okay. what you're getting. And it's a beard for your heavy, or it's an ugly-ass hat. Okay, so then, what if Valve does decide to make Team Fortress 3? If Valve decides to make it Team Fortress 3, I mean, they have a count... The new Counter-Strike is going to come out. But, I mean, that doesn't have... You don't pay for upgrades, but in any case, so if they if they do come out with a Team Fortress three, 
I'd be, I'm curious to know. I don't know what they would do. I'm sure most of the, I'm sure they'll figure a way to to cross over the stuff over to the next game. But there's no reason for them to make a Team Fortress 3 right now. They're not being limited in any way with Team Fortress 2. Right, because they still are making money off of it. Not just money, like the, the what new idea can you make for Team Fortress 2 into Team Fortress 3? I don't know if they really have a great idea with it. They're actually still working with Team Fortress 2. If they can put in the, if they want to put in new game modes, they'll put in new game modes. Well, I mean, I was I was asking solely like in terms of profit. Well, I mean, think that's the thing. They're still gradually making money and the game's still popular. Right, and that's what I was saying. If, right. If the game right. stops being popular, then they'll probably but make say, a third say game. Say if they didn't say if they didn't have this set up so that everything that you could get was free. Okay. So then people are still okay, so like you brought up Portal Two earlier. Uh so now we have all these free or even like something like Little Big Planet where we have a bunch of um community stuff that's all free and it you know, it gives you so much content that you can never get through all of it, even if you try it and you just keep playing and playing and playing and playing and playing. So then if they come out with the next one why buy? Well, so I almost feel like what Valve is going to do is they're not even going to come out with the next one. I don't think they'll come out with a. It, I I'm almost surprised if they would come out with a Portal Three. There's no reason to come out with a Portal Three. Do you know what I mean? So the only reason to have a Portal Three is to tell more of the narrative. If you've played through Portal Two, you realize there's no more narrative. <laughs> the game's over. Well, wouldn't one of the reasons also to make more money? Well, no, that's the thing. If it's to make more money, I mean, then at that point they're selling themselves short. They can do it, but I don't think they're so worried about cash that they're going to make a third one. Well, if you were a developer who didn't have as much money as Valve. If you were a developer trying to make as... And if and you told a story and you can't and you're trying to make a sequel, so like trying and trying to. And what they did with trying to was they added uh, multiplayer aspect and they added different puzzles and the, the game is significantly harder. So you're just saying that they would have to make, if if it were a sequel, if they needed more money, if they already had the first game. Well, so so this is has a very long life that they would have to make something with a new twist a new mechanic or something? Well, that's what happened with StarCraft 2, right? Also, in terms of um, Blizzard. They didn't have to make a StarCraft 2. StarCraft 1 was still popular. Sure. They definitely had more of a story to tell. So they added some new stuff to the game and they started selling the game. I'm not saying they can't do it, but... Blizzard could very well have made a game that had nothing to do with StarCraft or Warcraft, and they could have tried selling a new IP. I almost feel like what Valve would... I think Valve... It's not that... like they're not gonna, If they are so cash-strapped that they have to make a Portal 3, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean... I don't know. I almost feel like they won't do it unless they have to. Right. And sometimes some companies decide that they have to. But some companies understand that they have more of a story to tell. Um, there's trade-offs for both. You know, what if that game just is shit? You make a short-term profit, but again, people are not going to buy your product anymore because they're like, uh, why am I going to... You know, fewer and fewer people buy your product. Um, you're going to have what happened to EA. 
or what happens, what's happening to Activision right now with the Call of Duty series, which is a lot of people buy it on the first day, but then the total sales, the lifetime sales of that product just diminishes even further and further. So you actually make right. f- less and less profit. And then they sell it all to GameStop, and then GameStop sells the used games for a profit, and then everybody goes bankrupt. Well, no, like who's? Why am I gonna? Why is anybody gonna buy more? more like, Angel, you're not gonna buy Black Ops Two, right? You're tired of it. No, I'm tired. it's getting to I'm a point. Of it. There, there is a point where like the second to third game is like the second games you'll maximize your profit. All right, the second sequel is oftentimes where you're gonna end. So I think in terms of Valve, the way they've, um. If they want to make a profit, they're going to make a new game. They're not going to just squeeze the living daylights out of like the Portal franchise, unless they have a very new idea, a new reason to tell a story and something new about the game to mm-hmm. do, like to do so. That's they're they're a company that has kept their artistic integrity for a long time. And and so I'm. There's less of a worry that that will happen. There's a reason for them to make a Half-Life three, and it's not just to make a profit. It's because that story still has a lot of. They, that story has a long way to go still. Well, that was a decision, on their part, to make a story that didn't end with the second game. Yeah. But in that same time, they had enough of a story to do so. They're not trying to milk the series for all it's worth. Like the story is very organic; it works out. It makes sense. It's it's not like something coming out of left field. It's not like uh, Mass Effect Three. Wait, what? they're they're not going to, like they have a story in mind, and they're not just going to cut the story off. They could have very well ended with the second one, but they have more of a story to tell. Right? That it's just how that vision works. They're not so worried about the profit about it because they're making plenty of money off of Steam and off of other thing, mm-hmm. off of other revenues. You know, it, they could very well make another. You know, again, they can make very well make another sequel of some sort, and have no reason to tell that story. But they've been very good about it. All right. I mean, you don't have to make a sequel just to make more money, Adam. Right. That's the then, and that's what's made. That's what makes I think a lot of indie games very interesting. The guy who made Braid is not making Braid two, right? If you played Braid, that story is ended. Mm-hmm. He's making a completely independent game, independent of Braid. Right. Um, he could have very well made a Braid two if he wanted to, but. He's, he's like, well, I'm not gonna fucking milk this. Like, what, what more can I do with this? Mm-hmm. It's it's why I almost feel like Halo Four. They, I hope they have a great story to tell. I hope they have something to tell, unless it's just gonna be a completely different story. Then I'm gonna be like, um, all right, well, whatever. I don't know. I, I felt I was a little iffy about Halo Four, considering Bungie felt like they they finished the Halo story. Right? That that was, I know. Cl- well, I know Clay they, was. They are they are telling a completely different story. It just has the same character. No, but that's sort of what makes it like not work. That that's what makes it a bit wary about whether it's going to work or not. I know Clay was very excited about it, and he has reason to be excited about it. But it, it's. 
the the way Halo is set up, there was a beginning and an end to it. It's not episode. It, it's not built in a way that it's episodic, right? So, a character like, I mean, the Zelda series retells itself, but a character like Samus, when you play Metroid, uh, any of the Metroid games, it it's she's going on another adventure. You're experiencing another adventure that she's going through. So it's it's almost episodic in content. It's a total. It absolutely is right. Yeah. So, Metroid One versus Metroid versus Super Metroid versus Prime. There, there's there's a canon, but the thing is, you don't need to know the canon to know the to play the games. Prime Three. You don't need to play the other Prime games to play Prime Three. It's a standalone game. Right. Um, with Halo, it's sort of I don't. Halo 2 doesn't sort of stand by itself. I mean, it's a great... It's a game that people enjoyed. No, yeah, you're right. I mean, it does assume some knowledge of the previous Right, games. you have to know what as what happened in the first one to know what's going on in the second one. The exception might be Reach and, like, um, ODST. Mm-hmm. Because there's some... But that they don't follow Master Chief. So they had a beginning and, and an end array to Halo, so... If you're going to use Master Chief again and make a whole new adventure, that's almost a little bit weird. Well, I mean, story aside, in terms of gameplay, it's essentially... It's like paying money for these things we were just talking about that are usually free. Just expansions of the same gameplay. Right? I mean, presumably, yeah, sense? but it's presumably supposed to be something brand new, right? This is going to be a brand new experience. I I don't know how much new of an no, experience. No, the gameplay is the gameplay is going to be the same. It's just a different. Yeah, story. exactly. Well, this is why in that case. This is why I sort of stopped playing that game. Like this is why I'm not excited about it. I I mean, what's so new? What's going to be so new about it? Well, you just get a new experience with the same gameplay. Yeah, sort of. No, I mean that's exactly what it is. I mean, the gameplay I, I'm i assuming here, but there's no way it can be that much different from the other Halo yeah. games. So, I mean, it's just, you know, new environments, new story, new experience. Yeah, I mean, I, I see the case, I see why they're doing it, but it's almost like, well, so 4, 5, and 6 sort of have to hold up on their own. You know, it's, it better be a good idea. Mm-hmm. That, that sort of thing. That's the take-home message. There's a lot of risk here because you don't know what their artistic vision is, mm-hmm. right? How well is that story really going to work? So, so Master Chief, Master Chief is going to fight the Bionicles. Is that really going to work? I don't know. I, I, I hold, I hold out less hope for that versus Clay. I mean, I think we hold out less. Some of us hold out less hope for it than others. So, yep. Is there anything else about indie games, indie developers? I think we covered everything, right? I think so. I think probably the one last thing might be that there, there is, there is one thing. So we're going to. I think hopefully we're going to talk about the fall of large game company. Or the if large, what happens if large game companies do fall because of the costs or whatever? Um, and I, I almost feel like indie games give them an out. Indie games, um, because it's new innovation, it provides new ideas that can be used by larger game companies to make more franchises. Hmm. Like, use those same old ideas and make your new game out of it, because you know it's going to work. 
And on top of it, if everything falls out, indie games will still be there. If EA and Activision and Take-Two all fall, which it almost sounds like two out of the three are having really big problems, um, I can still pl- there will still be games like Braid coming out next year. Mm-hmm. And that's actually quite comforting. So Yeah, and I mean, they, they don't have problems in terms of getting a publisher or, or getting a system to publish it all. Oh, exactly, yeah. There's no... I mean, they have the the distribution is there now. Mm-hmm. So they have absolutely no reason to worry about it. Um, it's a, it's a huge advantage. As opposed to maybe 10 years ago, they could never, they couldn't have even imagined this 2000, mm-hmm. even, what, three or four years ago, or, yeah, five, even five years ago, they couldn't imagine this. This is a huge boon for smaller developer, smaller developers, they could succeed. Right. So. <laughs> Alright, listeners, if you have anything to add, or ask, email us. Uh, speaking of emails, Angel. Emails! So excited. We just got one, and it's really just for Clay, but I'll read it. Clay, let's wreck some demons in Diablo 3. This is from Brett Fullington, by the way, and he gives his battle tag to Clay. Uh, Brett, if you want other people to have that, just let us know, and I will read it on the air. So that's it for emails. Uh, you can contact us by going to our board at tinyurl.com slash working title or ZTP, Z, ZTP socialboard.proboards.com. Um, email us at wtpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Zelda WT Podcast. Become a fan on our Facebook page at Zelda Working Title Podcast. Add the Google Plus page to your circles at Zelda Working Title Podcast. Go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash user slash Zelda WT Podcast. And by the way, I don't remember if I just told this to Angel if we recorded this on an episode, but we cannot upload uh, videos that are longer than 15 minutes yet. And we were planning on maybe doing some video podcasts. So, can't do those quite yet. We'll have to throw up some more videos before we can. Yeah, that's what it is. We have to get more videos and more views or what? I think what it is is like it's a community thing and more videos helps you get it faster. Basically. Okay, I think. I don't know if somebody knows. It's easier. It's easier to do it through more videos and more views. I think so. All right. Uh, and then, as always, rate us on iTunes. Give us a million stars. And that's it. Thank you, Angel. Thank you, Alex. We will see you next week. Hasta luego. Mm-hmm.